Hi, I'm Kathy Bixel, and welcome to the Kathy Bixel Podcast. I'm so happy that you could join us again today as we are continuing our little mini-series here on how to be battle-ready. We've talked about the importance of having a proper mindset about spiritual warfare, what it is, what it isn't, uh, the kind of posture we are to maintain when we speak of spiritual warfare, that we are moving from a place of victory and not trying to get a victory, that we always move forward in faith from a place of victory. And then we've been talking about key components of maintaining our spiritual readiness in a time of war that we uh, have established that we are in a season of great conflict and change. And so it requires us to assume a lifestyle that may be different from how we have been living. And so hopefully these messages have been an encouragement to you, an inspiration, and, and hopefully even more so they've challenged you to implement some practical changes in your own life. In today's podcast, we are going to continue uh, uh, speaking about how to live soberly and vigilantly to have a sober and sound mind in the days that we are living and in the face of great challenges. If you remember on our last podcast, I spoke to you about how when we see those scriptures, uh, and I read several of them, so I encourage you to listen to uh, part four of Battle Ready, if you haven't already, as this will be part five, that we spoke about a sober mind being a sound mind. So for example, when we see in Titus chapter two, verse 12, we see that uh, Paul wrote to Titus telling him that the grace of God teaches us to live, live soberly, righteously, and godly in the time that we are living. And we talked about how that word sober is a word that uh, gives us the meaning of having a sound mind or conveys the concept of having a sound, healthy mind. And it suggested an exercise of self-restraint that governs all passions, desires, enabling the believer to be conformed to the mind of Christ, as it says in Vines. To have the mind of Christ is to have a sound mind. That word sound we said last week is from comes from the word sows, which means to be safe, to be whole, to be rescued from danger or destruction. So when we are thinking properly and correctly, we are thinking in a way that protects us from danger and destruction and actually rescues us. So the reason we live soberly in with a sound mind is having a sound mind is a form of protection against the onslaught of the enemy and the attacks of the enemy. It's a defense system. Your soundness of mind is your defense system. Not only is it our defense system, but when we speak of soundness of mind, I am also speaking of having a right overall mindset or lens through which you look at life, the perspective in which, through which rather, you process challenges, pain, disappointment, all of these things that are a, that are a part of life here on the earth. 
if you're you, you have to have a a mindset that is the mind of Christ and the mind of Christ was to be able to as Jesus exhibited was to be able to live in this world but not be of this world and i believe one of my firmest convictions is that we are living in a day and a season in which as a christian as a christ follower you have to make a choice whether you are going to live your life subjected to what is happening in the natural around you, what you can perceive with your senses, what you hear through the ear gates, what you see with your eyes, what you are sensing. If you are going to be subjected to that, you are going to have a completely different life than if you make the choice to go 100% all out and live a life subjected to the dominion and the reality of another world. A world that is framed by the word of God. A reality in which not everything we see is what is real, what is truth. That the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus said that there's a kingdom within you. And I uh, heard this weekend uh, a, a snippet of a prophetic word that someone was giving in a service. And under the unction of the Holy Spirit, they said the voice of fear seeks to dismantle a nation, that there is a voice of fear right now that is seeking to dismantle a nation, but there is God's voice that is building a kingdom. And we can either we can either choose to live under the reign of terror and of fear or we could live under the reign of the reality of this supernatural kingdom that is ours to experience as believers this is what all of the the uh, letters to the churches that Paul penned all encompassed this overall this overall thought that we are to have a mind that looks up we are to have a mindset that processes life through being seated in heavenly places. So I want to encourage you in this season to make that choice. Recognize what is happening around you. Recognize that what we are experiencing right now is a crucible, literally, of affliction in which we are forced to choose how we are going to process all of these, these negative circumstances and global events that are de that are designed to shake us off of our foundation of faith in Jesus Christ and his eternal kingdom. So now on a practical level, how do I do that? When I'm faced with something daily, when I'm faced with a pending bill or a or a sickness, or a, a bad report of some kind, or even just the daily news. How? What is it that happens that I get off track? And uh, we see in First Peter chapter five, verses eight through nine, where Peter writes that we are to be sober-minded and vigilant and watchful, because the enemy, as we said last week, he's 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 prowling around seeking whom he may devour. So. So when we when we speak of having a sound mind, a clear mind, it is a mind or a way of thinking that is not dominated by emotions. 
all right, when we allow our lives to be dominated by our emotions. Now, emotions are healthy. We we know that God, we are made in God's image and God is emotional. I'm Italian or part Italian, I should say anyway. And in my personality, I'm, I'm emotional. And that's, it's great. It's how God has made us. When we read the Psalms and we read the Bible, we see great expressions of emotion of God's people um, in context of their relationship with God. But when we speak of emotions, when our lives are dictated and we make decisions based on those emotions all the time. That is where the enemy hijacks those emotions and creates a way, a thought patterns in us that become habits and then become lifestyles and overall paradigms of thinking. So one of the ways that we know that we are not, that our, that our emotions are out of control is when they are not submitted to the word of God. So the word of God becomes the measuring rod, the plumb line, the, the, the word of God becomes the anchor that keeps the turbulence of emotions in our minds from, you know, causing us to go shipwreck in our decisions and, uh, and our actions. And so one of the best scriptures is first Peter chapter one, verse 13. I think that helps, uh, give us some scriptural basis for how we are designed as believers to, to counteract these out of control emotions. Peter tells, because I believe that Peter was emotional. We all know if we look at Peter's life, he was emotional. But he says here, he writes to the church, gird up the loins of your mind. So we know when he's talking about being sober, being vigilant, and he, he is talking about soundness of mind. This, this scripture reinforces that thought. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now, I was privileged, and some of my listeners today might have heard this before, but re repetition's good, right? Um, I was privileged to have one of the best Bible teachers um, when I was going to Rhema. I went to uh, Grace Fellowship as my Sunday church. At that time, Rhema did not have Rhema Church for the students. The students were encouraged to, to go throughout the community on Sundays and participate in local congregations. And so for, for me, I, I felt at home at Grace Fellowship um, under uh, Bob Yandian's teaching. And uh, he also was great friends with Rick Renner. And so they, they shared a lot of uh, the same the same uh, teaching uh, uh, exegesis of scripture etc and so uh I believe it was from Bob but because the two of them Rick often taught there uh I I want to be clear who's getting credit for it, but definitely Rick Renner writes of it but I believe I first heard it taught by uh Bob Yandian that when he speaks here of girding up the loins of your mind, it is a, a Greek word that I will spare you from trying to pronounce, but it comes from a Greek word, gird up your loins, comes from a Greek word that described the process of running uh, in, the, in the Orient where they would, uh, in reference to how the or Oriental mind at that time described running, that they because their garments were long and to their ankles or to their feet, that when, when someone had to run to get somewhere, that they had to pick up uh, before they were to, you know, run at, at any speed, they had to grab hold of 
all those flowing garments and stick them up in, in their belt or their girdle, tuck them in so that they can run unheated, undistracted, um, and unimpeded. They, they could, I should say unimpeded as opposed to unheated, <laughs> unimpeded. They, they were able to run unimpeded by the garments that would cause them to trip up. And so what we were, went on to be taught was that this was symbolic to Peter when he was saying, gird up the loins of your mind. You have to tie up, and Rick Renner uses this greatly, you have to tie up the loose ends of your mind. So Kathy, what does that mean? Well, that means that right now in the season that you, we are in, there is no question that in this pause of time where we have been in lockdown and not been able to do many of the things that we were normally doing, all of us have been hearing all the messages and you've heard me talk about it myself, that that it's this time to take a rest, to take a breather, to be in the presence of the Lord and let the Holy Spirit refine us and, and minister to us about areas in our lives that are going to cause us to not prosper in the next season, to deal with things that affect us and affect our prosperity and our movement forward. And I will say that most everything that affects us originates in our ways of thinking. And with all of the prophetic words about going forward and moving forward in a new era and embracing the new thing God is doing and looking for the new thing that God is doing, the clearest way to hold on to the old way is in regards to our old ways of thinking, our old habits of thinking, ways in which mindsets have become entrenched in us. Many times uh, how we how we relate to God, sometimes how we relate to each other, and many times how we even relate to scripture. And so when he is talking about girding up your loins, he is telling us that we have to deal with the loose ends. We have to look in this season, what are the loose ends, those things hanging down, those distractions in your mind, those thoughts that are becoming patterns, that are becoming habits, that are tripping you up on in your race of faith, in your as the apostle calls to run the race that is set before you. We have to run soberly. That means that our minds are focused on truth and reality of the word of God. How we gird up our loins is getting and get that clarity to, to help us discern between emotions and truth is the word of God. The word of God becomes what sobers us up when we begin to get hysterical or panic-stricken or worried or fearful or start to shake or, you know, we all know that feeling of that pit in our stomach and our heart skipping a beat when we hear something negative or we, uh, you know, hear that danger is coming in some way. We have to step back and say, what does the word of God say? On a very practical level, in my home, I have had to make no plague shall come near my dwelling out of Psalm 91, my daily reality. It is not only a confession of faith by speaking it, 
by believing it, by acting out on it, by moving in faith through my day, not being obsessively compulsive about every single thing being germ-free because for that to happen, I would have to be the bubble woman. <laughs> that becomes my reality and it quiets my emotion and it quiets down the other voices that are trying to create another reality for me. Okay, that's that's a very practical, a very practical application. What is so wonderful about the Word of God is that the Word of God helps you establish the framework of your mind, the way in which you th think. If we refer to the scripture where Paul said that we are to cast down imaginations in 2 Corinthians, we are to cast down imaginations, we are to take captive every thought, whereby we demolishing strongholds. There is a way of thinking. It's your thoughts create like a building. If you if you look at look at your thoughts as the it, it is creating a building in your mind, a stronghold in your mind, a structure in your mind. That's what thoughts do, layer upon layer upon layer. And so when we come to Christ and we open the Word of God and we come into His presence, we begin to see the Word of God shows us where the thoughts, it, it becomes, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, dis, it divides between that which is the reality of God's kingdom and that which is being perpetrated by the God of this world, right? Which is every lie, every false argument, every imagination that is not in line with the word of God. And so the apostle invites us and God invites us to deconstruct all that stuff that we have allowed in our minds and to rebuild. The, the, the best place to begin to rebuild in this season is to allow the Holy Spirit. The reason I'm teaching this is because I have I have been experiencing the Holy Spirit saying to me, mm, that thought, that way of thinking is creating your problem. That, that train of thought that you, that keeps ruminating through your mind, I am telling you that that needs to shift. This is what needs to, the, the new track that needs to be laid down. Are you, I hope you're getting the the visuals here that that our thoughts lay the right thoughts lay the track for where the train of our life is going and then also it is the what is what is being built in within us helps us to prosper so i'm i'm believing that in this season that is what god is doing he is renewing our minds because in the days ahead the promises that are being unleashed upon us that we can take hold of my brothers and sisters we have to believe them and we can't believe them if our minds are filled and the the, the stronghold there are strongholds of ungodly thinking in our minds and so we need to take this opportunity to begin to take the axe and the hammer and the hatchet and just start when when that thought comes in you know if you I, I because you know we all go through it. You find yourself tossing and turning at night. Don't just keep tossing and turning. I'm learning to train myself to say, okay, what am I thinking that's making me toss and turn? Turn And nine times out of 10, 9.9 .9 times out of 10, it is a thought that is not in align with what God would be saying over a situation.
So that again is another, uh, another practical way of looking at it. But as we close, uh, close this out um, over the next uh, 10 minutes or so here, I want to go a step further and help you realize that why this is so important. Um, why is it so important for us to be sober-minded, for our minds to be sound? Isn't, you know, isn't being uh, spiritually victorious all about all about just, you know, praying and um, being aggressive and militant in prayer and all of that. Well, you know, there's an, there's an aspect of that where we, you know, violently praise and we pray under the unction of the Holy Ghost with, with, with loud, fervent prayers. That is all viable and that is all important. But when it really comes down to, uh, to it, we are talking about, we want to, I want for the body of Christ, I want us to mature into the end game, so to speak. What is it we're after? I know what I am after. Obviously, I'm, you know, I'm after the the heart of God and the presence of God permeating everything that I do and permeating my home and 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 living and living in a way that brings him pleasure in his presence. But there is also a knowledge I have that I think is important for all of us. And that is that we must embrace a supernatural style of life. We must, we must live in a way that is, that expresses the word of God. That, you know, when you look at the promises that God made to the children of Israel, he didn't, he didn't expect them to just live based on natural laws. He wanted them to have a supernatural way of living in their promised land. The promised land is, I would submit to you, supernatural living. I'm going to say that again. The promised land is not living out of the constructs and the laws of the natural world. It is living out of the supernatural world, which is built on promises. Peter calls them the great and precious promises that we have been given. And so when we talk about the promised land, it isn't a location geographically as much as it was even though that was a part of it, as much as it was a way of living. It's why he said, you're going to have houses you didn't build. Can you imagine them hearing Moses say, you're going to have houses you didn't build? What's a house I didn't build? What's a vineyard I didn't plant? What is a way of irrigating that is different than the Egyptians irrigated their land? What, how could I have these kind of huge grapes and fruits? And how can the land flow with milk and honey? This was descriptive of a life that was outside of their natural experience. I want you to catch hold of this. And this is what happens when we have the mind of Christ. This is the mind of the spirit that we are able to have. The world of the impossible can become our reality. And it doesn't mean that we have to walk around, you know, in, in this ethereal stupor. It means that we can go about our daily lives from victory to victory. Oh, here's an evil report. Oh, wow. This is what 
what I am. I have this promise. So now I know my bread and my water is going to be blessed and sickness is driven from the midst of me. So this disease is not going to kill me. It's not going to infect my family or it's not going to destroy my loved ones. Or when someone has been stricken with something, I can pray and faith that the reality of the kingdom of God is going to supersede and overcome and raise that person out of that natural boundary of sickness and disease. Oh, I know this gets me excited, but it just gets me excited because this is the passion of the Holy Spirit for his bride in this hour, that we would live the garden life. We would live the garden life in the midst of this fallen world. And so one of the uh, things that I wanted to close with was just reference you, and, and I brought this out to could never expound upon it totally, but to just give you a little bit of insight into why it is so important to even begin on the micro level of managing your thoughts. Um, there's a, uh, a book that I read several years ago um, by Napoleon Hill uh, called Outwitting the Devil. And it's an incredible, um, an incredible book in terms of communicating the understanding of how our thoughts create our world. And uh, basically, one of the, the uh, themes of his book, that or the premises that he is, he's trying to uh, help his readers understand, is that there is what he calls a hypnotic rhythm that is in life that it is uh it is not hypnosis that that's not so right don't check out because i use the word hip, a hypnotic just listen to what i'm saying he said he he says that it is as a it's a, a hypnotic rhythm is a law of human nature that more or less solidifies our habits and makes them permanent so similar to gravity he says that no one is exempt from this hypnotic ry rhythm all of us, he says, are in our own rhythm of our own habits. And our rhythm, the rhythm that we have, it is the things that we do that we don't even think about. The actions that are built into our existence and the way we live, similar to the way the earth, as an example, orbits the sun. And he says that we can use the natural law of hypnotic rhythm to create long-lasting habits that bring success, but we can also use hypnotic rhythm to bring about misery and permanent failure. Now, this is his, his premise, okay? So in other words, what he calls the what he calls the hypnotic rhythm is something that is set in motion through the habits that we establish. Okay, so once again, I'm, it's not someone swinging a ball in front of you, putting you into hypnosis. But I'm sure any of you listening to this right now where you are, know the things that you do that you just do and you don't even think about them. And that is what I want to go after today, to pivot off the premise that he communicates how this happens to us. And he goes on to explain that actions that actions are things that we do that we have complete control over. He says that we consciously decide whether or not actions come into being, right? We decide something. He said this also applies to our thoughts. And this is what I wanted to, to um, 
focus in on. What he goes on to say is if we repeat actions long enough, they become habits. Uh, I'll just stop here for a moment. Recently, I was driving in the car and I I was distracted as I was driving. Not I was thinking about something. And the next thing I know, I was somewhere that I go all the time, but that day I was supposed to turn off sooner and I didn't. I, like hypnotically, I by default took this route I take all the time because it was what I do all the time and I wasn't even thinking about it and I ended up at the place I normally go, but I missed the turn I was supposed to go because I was distracted. So the point is, is that I was moving forward in a way that I was used to without thinking about it. And so Hill goes on to explain that um, he says, Hill says that we consciously decide whether or not actions come into being. And this also applies to our thoughts. If we repeat actions long enough, they become habits. These are the things that we often help us feel comfortable. It's possible for us to go astray away from our habits, but usually we go back to them because humans love to feel comfortable. And uh, he said that there's he said that what happens is if our habits are repeated long enough, they become hypnotic rhythm. This is when the habit becomes a part of what we are on a major level, even psychologically, and and I will say spiritually. Our habit can be put on autopilot, and at that point, the actions associated with that habit require no willpower at all. And he says at this stage, we have almost no control over those actions. And unlike at the beginning, we have no say if these rhythms are how these rhythms are carried out. And he says that we can work against the hypnotic rhythm, but it's difficult. He says our best bet is to stop the bad habits before they become rhythm and keep practicing the good habits until they become automatic. So applying this theory, which is, and actually in his book, he talks about how this overcomes evil. Um, and I know that there's some controversy about Napoleon Hill. I'm, I, because, you know, some people think it's, it's, you know, thought over matter and, and all that stuff. That's, that's not what I'm just drawing from his writing, because this premise is a powerful premise that we can apply and a principle we can apply to our natural thinking and our natural lives as we seek to live more supernaturally above the fray. God is calling us higher to live above. So we have to overcome gravity's pull. The enemy wants to keep us in this low level thinking that, that, that natural law, just as gravity, it takes great force to overcome gravity. It is going to take some work on your part to reestablish thought patterns that, that create better habits that lead to a momentum that is, that is for your good. And in one area, Hill applies this that I believe very firmly as truth. 
that he says nature itself uses hypnotic rhythm to make one's dominating thoughts and one thoughts, one's thought habits permanent. He said this is why poverty is a disease. Nature makes it so by fixing permanently the thought habits of all who accept poverty as an unavoidable circumstance. So I'm going to come back down to earth here a little bit for you, as I know that might have seemed a little heady, but I want to provoke you to think. So I have homework for this week's podcast. What is it that Holy Spirit would say that you think about yourself? What thought patterns are are erected? What thoughts are predominating your life? that are placing limits on the supernatural? What ways do you think about yourself? What circumstances in your life have you defined as limitations for you that are things why you can't prosper? A perfect example. Are you saying you're too old to finish your race? Are you saying you are the wrong race to finish your race? Are you saying that things are against you because you lost your job in this, in this, in this pandemic and now you don't know what your future looks like? So you don't have a hope and you don't have a future. Those circumstances right now for many people across this country are creating, trying to create a reality for you that you will never rise above. But if you are able to renew your mind and start thinking the words that God is thinking, as an example, God says, I have a future and a hope for you. Get out your concordance instead of worrying, instead of cursing the government for not giving you enough money, instead of blaming the circumstances, instead of falling in a ball and crying, which is probably what you really feel like doing. You've got to tie up the loose ends. You've got to gird up your loins and you have to get out your concordance and look up the word future in the Bible, in the perfect places, the Passion Translation. There's so many great scriptures about your future and begin to see God has a future with me. There's a reason to live. There's hope. In fact, God is going to rebuild my life. He's going to restore my life. He's going to recompense my life. Hey, instead of listening to the news, I'm going to turn it off and I'm going to go on Facebook or I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to listen to Tim Sheets's prophecies and I'm going to listen to Chuck Pierce's prophecies and I'm going to listen to Barbara Yoder's prophecies and I'm going to listen to what Bill Johnson is saying or or I'm going to listen to uh, what uh, you could think of whatever Johnny Enlow's saying, what anybody is preaching. We can get on there and listen to the prophetic words. We can see what other are dreaming. We could find out what the prophets are dreaming about the future of America, the future of our economy. The f- we, can, we can hold on to those things and those thoughts. And when we do, by default, th- we begin to make choices based on those thoughts. And then we form habits of those choices. And then those habits become a lifestyle. So I'm going to give you one more example that will help you. I just thought of. So when, let's say, for example, giving, we're in an environment where it's not a good idea to give in the natural, but see, if you have God's thought, 
then you can let the money go, right? You can give to those in need. You can donate to, um, you know, frontline workers or, or go to the food pantry and help or give to your, give to local ministries or however the Lord's telling you to bless people. God spoke to me to bless a particular widow. And I did that, you know, whatever it is, you let it go when it looks like there's no flow. And all of a sudden you step into, because you are now creating a habit based on the thought God's going to provide all my needs. God said, if I give, he will give again unto me good measure, pressed down, shaken together so that I can give again so that I can stay in this lifestyle of supernatural blessing. You see, so this is, a, it's taking, I'm taking Hill's premise and I am applying it to you spiritually. And, and he actually does as well. And he says, this is what is in natural man. This is why we are in the predicament that we are in. It all starts with our thoughts. Oh, so I just looked at my timer here. I'm at 35 minutes. And so I think that's enough for you today, but I hope that this was a blessing, but this is so important. Understanding how to think soberly. It is think, always think to you're going to be pushing against gravity. We have but the Holy Spirit and the grace of God to do it. This is the work of renewing your mind. That is what you're asked to do. God just asks you, to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So let's get our minds anchored. Father, I pray for your people today, Lord, that are listening to this broadcast. I pray for each and every listener that, Father, as we approach Pentecost this weekend, this coming weekend, that, Father, that you would cause the refining fire of your presence to come and burn up all the loose ends that are hanging down, Lord, to help us identify what is tripping us up, to to go deep, Lord. Let us take those moments in your presence to allow you to go deep, to get those deeply rooted mindsets uprooted and replace it with the, replace our mindsets with the mind of Christ. We love you here at Kathy Bixel Ministries. Please continue to uh, send us uh, messages, podcasts at kathybixel.com. Let us know how the podcast is blessing you. Make sure you uh, listen to us. We have several platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple, uh, the Charisma Podcast Network. We're so excited um, to be part of all these different platforms. And we bless you. We bless your movement forward in this season. May God restore you more and more and more for his glory. Let your light shine in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Kathy Bixler Podcast. For more information about Kathy, her upcoming itinerary, media resources, and more, visit kathybixler.com. Again, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen. The Kathy Bixler Podcast is produced by Newgate Media Copyright 2020.